Maybe it's better if I'm not in it. You're on now. All right, I'm on. And uh, we're going to go ahead and start. It's uh, the last uh, last Lord's Day in uh, October. Wow, October went really fast, it seemed like to me. Even though there's uh, five Sundays, it just went really fast. And, and uh, we are in our series of um, lessons if Christ were our teacher, and uh, I'm trying to teach on things that maybe aren't necessarily taught on a, you know, like regular basis. Uh, but uh, we, we've already covered uh, uh, the uh, spiritual gifts and, and uh, um, the kingdom, and so uh, we began last week with offenses. And so let's turn back to our text from last week in Matthew chapter 18. I think uh, if you pick out certain chapters in the Bible that, that are really important chapters, uh, Matthew 18 would certainly have to be one of them. And uh, one of the reasons why, of course, is the church is mentioned in Matthew 18. And uh, for those that believe that the church started on Pentecost, they never really have a very good answer about, you know, why the church is mentioned both in Matthew 16 and Matthew 18 if it didn't start until, you know, it was, uh, I, I think that's, that's a problem, but the Lord uh, um, gave plenty of instruction concerning uh, church life and, and uh, offenses are part of the kingdom, right? We saw that in in the uh, um, kingdom parables that it's not a perfect life. E even even during the millennial kingdom of Christ, uh, when Christ reigns and rules on earth, the Bible says in Psalm two that He will have to rule with a rod of iron. And so we know that people are going to the the uh, the in Matthew 25 the um, judgment of the sheep nations and the goat nations, and that that tells us that there are some not just people but whole nations of people that are going to uh, go into the kingdom, and they're going to go into the kingdom in mortal bodies. They're going to have children, and their children will be uh, not, not glorified, not saved. They will need to be saved during the millennial kingdom. And so uh, just because there's no tempter, there's no spirits that tempt anyone to do wrong during the millennial kingdom, they won't have even, even what Adam and Eve, you know, were tempted in the garden by a spiritual tempter. But there won't be that, but but people will still, in their hearts, in their hearts, they will resent Christ. They will resent uh, not being allowed to sin. And so, uh, offenses are something that are always going to happen. So, let's go ahead and, and uh, read again the first six verses. And uh, just, I want to make a few uh, quick points about that. And uh, then we'll, we'll go on to the next section. The, uh, so, how about if I begin, and Jim, and, uh, and John, and 
Kristen, we'll go around through verse 6. At that time came uh, the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom? Verse 1. Yeah. And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them. And said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoso shall receive one such little one in my name receiveth me. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones, which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Alright, this discussion of offenses should really be understood contextually, and it followed the disciples bickering about who among them was going to be the greatest. If, if uh, I pointed out last week that Peter was noticeably absent because the Lord had sent him to go fishing and uh, he was going to get uh, money for the temple tax. But uh, just before their debate about greatness, look in uh, chapter uh, 17 and uh, verses 22 and uh, 23. It says, And uh, they abode in Galilee, in 22, and Jesus said unto them, The Son of Man shall be betrayed into the hands of men, and they shall kill him. The third day he shall be raised again, and they were exceeding sorry. I just find it troubling a little bit that uh, uh, just before their discussion about who among them was going to be the greatest, the Lord told them that he was going to be killed. And doesn't that at least give us some pause to wonder if perhaps they were concerned who would take over? In other words, if, if, if Christ was going to establish a kingdom and he was going to be sitting on the throne, then obviously the, everybody wanted to be the vice president, right? They wanted to be his vice chancellor, whatever. And, and so uh, that's might have been some motivation behind their pride, but almost all offenses, and we know this, almost all offenses are the result of pride. And uh, people, pride is what makes people treat other people in a way that's not right. And pride is what makes people harbor bitterness rather than forgive, as God commands us to do. And so, uh, without, you take away the pride, and most, most uh, offenses are going to cease. The disciples, disciples were so enamored with their own ambition that they, they, they went to him and they asked him to announce and, 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 and pick out who among them was going to be greatest in his kingdom. And uh, I think his answer surprised them because he, he didn't say, well, you know, you James or you John or, or Peter or Andrew or or anybody else, Simon the Zealot, he went and got a little child, set a little child in the midst of them and said, whosoever it becomes as this little child is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And now child, childlikeness is not childishness. The Bible never says that we should be childish. There's a big difference between being childish and being childlike. 
And, uh, but childlikeness is what God requires of us, and no one is converted, according to this passage, without that sense of absolute dependency that a child will have uh, towards their parents, because uh, they know that mom and dad feed them, they know that mom and dad call them and take care of them, and, and when, they, when they run and fall down and skin their knee or, or you know, get a woo-woo, they come running to mom. And uh, that's, that's childlikeness. Childlikeness is a choice that one must make. And it's not natural to us. The older we get, the more uh, we want to deal with things our way. The more we want to uh, uh, embrace pride. And uh, the, so uh, to be last, or to be first, the Bible says, we need to be last and, and to be a somebody we have to be a nobody to be to be exalted we have to be abased and to be famous we have to be unknown to be profound simple and to be great we need to be humble and it helps to always remember that uh, but for what Christ did for us we would all be on our way to hell and deserving of it and so those who love children enough to minister unto them are, are doing the work of Christ. Uh, I think so. Now, now the, in this passage, I think we see that the discussion is not about children exclusively. Because notice what it says in verse number 5. Whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. Uh, but whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me. So, uh, to, to the eternal omnipotent God, we're all children. The grayest among us, the one with the most wrinkles, and who's who's lived the most years, is still but an infant to God. And so uh, I, I think that this is, yes, it's talking about children, but it's also talking about believers. So if you want to say, whosoever shall offend some little innocent child, you know, uh, is going to occur the wrath of God. I have no problem with this verse being interpreted that way, but it's also speaking about those who believe in him. Those who believe in Christ. And, you know, small children, they don't have the ability to believe yet. They can't discern their right hand from their left hand. That's what it says in Jonah chapter 4. Is it verse 11 or 13? The last verse in the book of Jonah. Where, where God told Jonah, there's, there's what is it, 80,000 people in, in this city that can't even discern their right hand from their left hand, which means... They're little infants. And uh, I think, by the way, that for me, that meets the, the uh, um, that defines the age of accountability. When, you know, when, when Young Wang can talk, Chan Young can talk, but if you ask either of them, hold up your right hand, they'll go, They, they, they haven't quite got it figured out yet. Maybe by the time they're five or six years old, some of my kids were like seven. Right hand. 
they had to you know think about it a while, and uh, I think that that makes uh, uh, about about the time that we you know somebody can say to us raise your right hand and you, without even thinking about it you raise your right hand. That's when you pretty much chosen to be a sinner. And you're, you've gone beyond the age of accountability at that point. And uh, so uh, I think that, that this verse uh, can, can be applied to, to, to either one. So I do think something I didn't point out last week, and this is kind of why I've been repeating this, there doesn't uh, seem to be any middle ground because verse 5 says who shall receive one such little one in my name receiveth me so if if we receive children if we receive those who who don't or who, who believe in Christ brothers and sisters then it's the same as if it's being done unto Christ so kindness to a little children uh, helping, ministering to them. It's the same as if it was being done uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned into the depths of the sea. Uh, I don't see any middle ground. We are either receiving such little ones or we are responsible for offending them. And because the even the laws of sinful men recognize that neglect is not any less culpable than abuse. To neglect a child, to neglect to do good, is just as wrong as doing bad. And uh, I think uh, that, that we can see that. Uh, great care should be taken not to hurt or offend uh, either little children or, or believers. I looked that word up and it's interesting. Do you, do you know what the Greek word is for offend here? Scandalizo. To scandalize them. That's literally the Greek word. And uh, it, it's like setting a snare, a snare before them that causes them to stumble. And this particular Greek word, it can even be used without the element of deceit. In other words, we're not we're not trying to be crafty or or deceitful or or mean but if what we do causes them to um, not want to follow Christ or to do what's wrong then that's that's an offense so you know the parent who doesn't take their children to church but instead sits around the house watching bad television and yelling and cursing and drinking and smoking or whatever it may be they're they're not necessarily they're not beating their child they may not you know be abusive physically or anything else but they're they're not putting that child in the position where they're going to uh, follow Christ and so neglect, spiritual neglect, is, is just as wrong as actual uh, abuse. And uh, 
but primarily an offense in this passage is hindering a child from following the Lord or stopping them from obeying God's word. And the penalty for such an offense is a very serious thing. And it says it would have been better for them to have died. Now, when we get to the next section here in verses 7 through 14, it's going to contain uh, further uh, penalty for offending little, bit, little children. But I, I think that we can say first, not for now, that, that this does not mean that a believer could lose their salvation. Because uh, surely a believer is just as capable of committing an offense against one of these little ones as an unbeliever. And uh, the, but it cannot mean it's better for them that a millstone were hanged about their neck. That's talking about this life, our physical life. It's better for us to die sooner rather than to live longer and then commit an offense against children or against other believers. And uh, it, doesn't, that's, it doesn't mean that uh, somebody would lose their salvation. All sins can be forgiven by God. And all sins should be forgiven by us. Uh, but forgiveness requires repentance. Uh, we cannot really extend forgiveness to those who have no interest in receiving it. And we should always possess a spirit of forgiveness, but, but the offender can't receive it till after they have repented. And that's what the procedure given in verses 15 through 17 and is supposed to do. It's supposed to uh, um, set the stage for repentance to take place and reconciliation to happen. And uh, so that's the, the, the offense uh, the, that was against children. So let's uh, go on and we're going to read verses 7 through 14 now. I'll take the first verse and we'll read through. Woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come, but woe to the man, that man by whom the offense cometh. Verse Wherefore, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut them off and cast them into uh, from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life, um, halt or maimed, rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. And if thy eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life with one eye, rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. How think ye of a man have a hundred sheep, and one of them be gone astray? Doth he not leave the ninety-nine, and goeth into the mountains, and seeketh that which is gone astray? And so be that he findeth verily I say unto thee, he rejoiceth more of that sheep than of the ninety and nine which were not astray. Even so, it is not the will of God, it is not the will of your Father, which is in heaven, that one of these little ones should perish. Now, over it. Oh, we'll stop at verse 14, and uh, 
we will look at verses 15 through 20 uh, in the next lesson after this. And I don't think I'll get finished with everything here. Uh, but we'll see. Considering the severity of the language here, uh, it, it should give us plenty of reason to treat one another with utmost kindness, don't you think? Woe unto the world? When, when, when God pronounces a woe on somebody, that's no joke. Uh, that's, that is a very serious thing. And uh, it's not a little slap on the wrist. If, if, if the Bible says that it's better that a millstone were hanged about our neck and we were cast into the sea, than that we should commit an offense against a fellow believer. That's a very serious thing. And uh, the little ones which believe in me, I, I say again, can either be children who haven't reached the age of accountability or born-again believers. But we have to carefully consider our words and actions so that we're, we're not offending others. What do you think? Wisdom is always, wisdom, you may be right about what you're about to say, but using wisdom and consideration can be a good thing to turn away whatever the wrong person is doing. Yeah. Well, our text tells us here that offenses are going to come. And that doesn't mean that God has ordained or decreed them. Um, which, by the way, if you heard those uh, two words that I mentioned uh, last week, uh, superlapsinarianism and infralapsinarianism, that is what those two are about. Superlapsinarianism is uh, the belief that God decrees sin. That, that God has... God, you couldn't, you, you, you have no option but to sin because God decreed for you to sin. And uh, now those who believe that say that God is, is righteous and he's just and all blame falls on us, but we can't help but do that because he's decreed it. And infralapsinarianism just denies that. I was five, I didn't that. believe that. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> so we, we certainly... Uh, here at Youngstown Baptist Church, do not ever uh, believe that God has ordained or decreed a sin. In fact, uh, God hates sin. But it does mean that uh, there are inevitable consequences uh, because of our world being sinful. And we can't avoid them, but we can, we can certainly avoid dispensing them. We don't have to be responsible for causing offense. And... Uh, Considering what Christ previously taught about the kingdom of heaven in chapter 13, you know, there are, what, when, when the seed was sown, what was the percentage that brought forth fruit? 25%. That means that three quarters of the seed that was sown, some of it sprang up, some of it never even got a chance to spring up, but it never produced fruit. Uh, so that means we can say in a church, roughly 25% of the people are going to be people who will produce fruit. The others are something else. And, you know, the, the tares are, are sown and scattered all among the wheat, and they look just like the wheat. And their only difference is they don't produce any good fruit. 
And uh, so, one thing I did want to mention, though, uh, about the kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God. Um, the, how many of you have ever heard or read or that the kingdom of heaven is talking about the realm of believers and the kingdom of God is talking about Christendom, you know, and it includes non-believers, you know, those who, you know, Roman Catholic, whatever. Uh, there's some systems, uh, dispensationalism, that make a really big deal about it. The kingdom of heaven is only found in Matthew's gospel. You don't find the mention of the kingdom of heaven in any other place than Matthew's gospel. Matthew was the one who wrote to Jews. And the Jews didn't like to use the name God. And so they would often substitute God for something else. And, and Matthew, Matthew does use the term kingdom of God. Look in uh, chapter 19, um, just one page over in your Bible. Oh, what verse is it? Twenty-four. Twenty-four, and yeah, and tw twenty-three and twenty-four, and then uh, said Jesus. Unto his disciples, verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. If somebody tells you that there are different meanings there, you can take them right there. Because I think that the the, these two verses are so obviously speaking of the same place, mm -hmm. just to be able to combat that error. And so that's, that's good to remember that, that, that uh, the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, speak of the same thing. And uh, there's going to be offenses in both. And until eternity. When eternity begins, then, then there won't be any more offenses. But uh, generally, uh, speaking, I think that we can expect those with the, the greatest ambition, they'll be among the greatest offenders. And so even in churches you have people that are rather ambitious. And I, I remember uh, and the church that I grew up in was small, it wasn't any bigger than this church. You know, on an average Sunday we probably had 40, 45 people. For a short period of time, we got up close to 100, and then it sort of, you know, backed off again. But they had, uh, you know, they, they, I don't know why they did this, but they, they felt that if they were going to elect two deacons, then there had to be at least three candidates, because somebody had to lose. And so, uh, this uh, one fellow uh, was the only guy in the church that graduated from Bible college. And frankly speaking, he had a little bit of a I'm better than you attitude. And he, he just, he, he could, he, he was a little bit condescending. And not, not excessively so, but just enough that, that people resented it. And so, what, he got nominated to be a deacon, and the other two guys won, and he lost. 
and then there was the Sunday school superintendent and he got nominated and the other person won. And there was one other position in the church and and so this all happened in one one business meeting and uh, frankly I'll never forget it was a pathetic sight that man and his wife sitting in the back row of the church weeping because he had graduated from Bible college and his own church didn't want him to serve in any position of leadership uh, he I don't think that he was, you know, an offensive fellow, but he, he had just that, just enough of the condescending, I know the Bible more than you, a kind of attitude that, that people resented it. And uh, so um, we'll often see that, that people with the most ambition or the most pride, uh, they tend to be the greatest offenders in church. And the Bible says offenses are going to come but woe unto them for whom they come and uh, again I want to close with this that doesn't mean that we should be naive um, childish people are easily deceived but we can be childlike without being childish in our understanding and uh, the woe in the Bible, it's always associated with impending judgment. And God has given sinners the freedom to choose. That doesn't make him, uh, his authority to, to be lessened. Um, God's given, given each of us the right to, to choose to receive him, the right after we receive him to put others before ourselves, or to push ourselves forward and, and say, I'm, I'm right because I'm older, or I'm right because I know the Bible better, or I've been saved longer, or whatever it may be. But Hide it in our hearts that we might glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.